Hello, and welcome to another Reviews from the Crawl Space, episode 44. That's Vicky. Hi. <laughs> I'm, I'm Douglas. Uh, before we start, uh, I just want to say I hope that everybody's been safe and healthy and avoid getting sick. Avoid going outside. Uh, do the social dis social distancing. Stay away from people because the asymptomatic asymptomatic ones are the ones that are dangerous. Yeah, wash wash your hands and uh, sanitize thing, things. And uh, yeah, sanitize things. Wash your hands. And, and for the rest of us, especially if you're staying inside, wash your ass. Do everybody a favor around you. Wash your ass. And when you wash your hands, and then you can wash your hands. Yeah. And then you'll have a clean ass and clean hands, free of COVID. If you live by yourself, you can wash your ass. Wash your ass day. anyway. Every other day. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, with all that, I hope everybody's okay. But with that, with that being said, uh, here we are with reviews from the crawl space. You can find us on Twitters, on the Instagrams, on the Anchors, on the Spotify's, pretty much anywhere. Apple Podcasts, Google Apple, Podcasts. Yeah, pretty much anywhere you can get podcasts. Whatever we're, your favorite podcasting platform is, I hope we're there. We are there, and uh, most of the social medias, like I said, Twitter and Instagram. On the Instagrams, I post uh, links to not just the past episodes, and including the most current one now, yeah. but if you want all of our past links are there on Instagrams, just reviews from the crawl space. And it, we give some photos about, the, you know, the photos of the three albums that we're doing. And further to that, if you're wondering, oh, what are you even doing? Well, we review uh, three albums from an inherited vinyl collection. And we do them at random. So we just, uh, because we've moved and shuffled over the years and stuff, we didn't bother sorting out the albums. So whatever weird-ass order they end up in, we just go, we grab three and uh, review them. And so today's episode, Vicky, since I've been talking for the whole entire opening, what do we got? So today's episode covers the Rolling Stones, Exile on Main Street, Ooh. which is a double album. Yeah. Rod Stewart slash Faces Live. Um, the album is called Over Overture and Beginners. Yeah, I think it's actually Coast to Coast Live or Coast to Coast Overture and Beginners. It's a weird yeah, title. Yeah, it is. And it's show it shows up differently in different places. Yeah. And yeah. what's the third one? Alice Cooper, Love It to Death. Mm-hmm. Indeed. So, okay. So, ex yeah. Exile on Main Street. I will say, now, this wasn't the, one of the first three that we had pulled out. This is a replacement for, we had Wings Over America, which was their live, which was three fucking albums. Th or three. Obviously, yeah. Yeah, three, three vinyl. Yeah. And it's, so, when we pulled it out and started going through it, we realized that not all the vinyl was there. So we're like, okay, well, we can't do a fair job of critiquing three goddamn albums. Well, we only have two. Well, we only have two. So we thought about maybe just listening to it on Spotify. But no, we just put it aside. So if we come across that vinyl again, which I, I really have a feeling that we will somewhere in yeah, there. Yeah, I have a feeling it's the album's been tucked into something, something else. else. Yeah. And once and we get we'll to it, it, then we'll do it. So and there were time, or in the meantime, uh, we replaced it with XL on Main Street. By the Rolling Stones. That's so. like, the way you say exile, I think it's XL. XL. And that's what I wrote down for the first. XL on Main Street. Not being uh, an aficionado <laughs> of XL Rolling Stones. <laughs> XL on Microsoft Street. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> PowerPoint way. So, the Rolling Stones, we have done other albums yes. of theirs. Uh, 12 by 5 and... Did we do some girls yet? No. I don't think so. There's one other one that we've done, I think. Yeah, and um, your memory's much better than mine. Oh. 
Okay, so the Rolling Stones, Exile on Main Street. The Rolling Stones are an English rock band formed in London in 1962. The first stable lineup consisted of band leader Brian Jones on guitar, Mick Jagger lead vocals, Keith Richards on guitar, Bill Wyman bass, and Charlie Watts on drums. Uh, they also had a guy named Ian Stewart on piano, which I think he only lasted a year with them, uh, but came in periodically to do stuff. The primary songwriters were Jagger and Richards. Mm -hmm. uh, the Rolling Stones were at the forefront of the British invasion that became popular in the U.S. in 1964. The band released commercially successful albums through the 70s and 80s. Um, they were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1989, and Rolling Stone magazine rated them number four on the greatest artists of all times list. Their estimated record sales are in the 240 million copies range. Uh, Exile on Main Street is the 10th British and 12th American mm -hmm. studio album released in 1972. It's a double album, as I said, mm -hmm. and many of the tracks were recorded in between 1969 and 70 at Olympia Studios, uh, Jagger Stargrove Country House, and in 1971, at a rented villa in France, uh, the villa was rented by Keith Richards, mm -hmm. uh, while the band lived abroad as tax exiles. Yeah, trying to not pay taxes. Exactly. Uh, the album was completed with an overdub session at LA Sunset Sound before it was released. I just want to, uh, sorry, I just want to point out too, I mean, that's definitely douchebaggery and they were already fairly wealthy people to begin with. Yeah. Um, but, uh, if there is any consolation is that their tax rate in like in 1970 in the UK was probably like 70% or something. It was something bonkers like yeah, that. Yeah. So, I mean, yes. And yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, I read that too. It's like, oh, oh, I see. Oh, we got to go live with that villa in France, did we? Okay. Yeah. I remember all of that happening, actually. I remember. Well, sorry, and we're on a sidebar now, but um, <laughs> there's the same thing. We just watched that Monty Python, many of the Monty Python movies that we just watched. Uh, Holy Grail's a great example. The only reason that existed is because bands like Ze Zeppelin and shit were trying to find tax havens or tax shelters. Oh, well, bravo to them. So that's how, like, even that one, like, that's how a lot of Monty Python stuff got made is because other bands and, and artists were looking Where? to hide their money and it's like okay well if you contribute to this then you can use it as a tax write-off so ha cool <laughs> so anyways uh so when the album was released it was to mixed reviews but has since been considered to be some of the rolling stones best work which surprises me <laughs> and has been highly ranked on various lists of greatest albums uh it spawned three hit songs happy with a rare appearance of Keith, by Keith Richards on vocals, vocals yeah. Sweet Virginia, and Tumbling Dice. They took Exile on Main Street on tour in 1972. Hmm. So that was way more information but I just mm -hmm. than I normally provide, but well, I just found so much of it interesting. Oh, that's it. Because, because we've already covered Rolling Stones, there's no need to keep going over it. So you might as well find out all the good shit about the album. Like all the production stuff, they become more like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's kind of yeah, what I yeah, did yeah, this exactly. time. Like it's stuff that wouldn't have been talked about yeah, exactly. previously. Uh, producer was Jimmy Miller. He was a New York-born percussionist and later producer known for his unique drum sounds and mixing skills. He worked with Blind Faith, Motorhead, Traffic, and the Rolling Stones, who fired him in 1973 <laughs> due to his heroin addiction. Yeah, he liked, he liked his uh, heroin. 
heroines. So, yeah. The track listings. Uh, side A. Rocks off. Rip this joint. Shake your hips. Casino boogie. Tumbling dice. Side B. Sweet Virginia. Torn and frayed. Sweet black angel. Loving cup. Side C. Happy. Turn on the run. Ventilator blues. Which I kind of thought was interesting given the giving where we're at where we are today uh, i just want to see his face let it loose uh side d all down the line stop breathing down or stop breaking down uh, back to ventilators in my head i guess <laughs> shine a light and soul survivor the entire playtime of the album is one hour six minutes and 21 seconds so to put this into concept context Exile on Main Street came out after Sticky Fingers in 1971 okay. and before Goat's Head Soup in 1973. Oh, okay. Ah, fuck. That's so much recording. That's a lot of stuff. Well, and it's, it's I, 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 this little thing that I've started to do when I can find the information, Yeah. Um, I, I, it's kind of cool because it kind of puts, you know, if somebody has Sticky Fingers as their favorite album, mm -hmm. they know that this was just the one after it. Directly after, yeah. Yeah, so I just and, thought it was something interesting to add. Yeah, and I think I might actually just pop straight into my stuff and then we'll talk about it after. Sounds good. Exile on Main Street. <laughs> Excel. Uh, Exile on Main Street, The Rolling Stones. It's, like you said, it's, it's a double album. It's an original pressing. Uh, Ro Rolling Stones Records, catalog 2COC-2900. Uh, Canada, uh, 1972. Uh, condition, cover, very good, good. Um, no rips, no tears, no stains. As to the small bit of the spine damage at the very top and the very bottom, kind of close to the corners. Um, other than that, it's actually in really good condition. Sleeves, the two original sleeves are in there um, with the credits and the photos. They are in excellent, I would say probably like new condition. And the vinyl, uh, from what I, what I can see of it, um, we listened to it on Spotify again, and because we're still waiting for the for the belt and the needle for the turntable, which should be in this week, which should be in soon. So we, I, I can't speak to the specific audio uh, of this album. I can tell you what it sounded like, but we listened to a remaster on Spotify. So uh, the vinyl, it looks like it's in really good condition. There's no big scratches. There's it needs cleaning. It's been sitting forever, but yeah, other than in that, a crawl space. in a crawl space, yeah. But other than that, it's in actually really good. If you can give it a nice deep clean, yeah, you're gonna. Got yourself an almost new album there, which is surprising. Uh, layout and design, John Van Hammersveld and Norman Seif. Uh, cover photography and concept by Robert Frank. Uh, John Van Hammersveld, uh, postfuture.com and jvh.cool, C-O-O-L. Oh, wow. He's also on Instagram and I follow him there. He's very active, still got tons of cool shit going. Two pages, or, or two different websites, that's... Yeah, American-born graphic artist and illustrator who designed album covers for many artists uh, starting in the 1960s. With over 300 credits to his name, uh, he's worked with The Beatles, The Magic Mis Magical Mystery Tour, The Beach Boys, Wild Honey, Kiss, Hotter Than Hell, Blondie, Eat to the Beat, and also worked on film posters, illustrations, logos. Oh, the logo I have for an example, one of the logos that he created uh, in recent memory people would know was for Fatburger. Oh, yeah. neat. That's what I mean. It becomes a tough choice with these guys because these guys have done more than, for the most part, more than just albums. It's posters, and it's illustrations, it's books. So it always comes down to how far do I dig into some of them? Because like some of these guys, you know, have 
they're not professors, but they have taught at universities. They have their own fucking studios. Where, you know, which thing should I mention? So that's why it's very condensed. And I always suggest go and check out these artists um, because they deserve, first of all, they deserve the credits for creating iconic imagery that we've seen our whole life and yeah. don't really think about. So yeah, go check them out. So, um, so Norman Seif dot com still doing his thing and in fact uh we follow both these guys now on instagram and still they're still doing photos and shit uh i put friend of the show uh he's we've dealt with him before uh he's done work for zappa the zappa albums uh willie nelson and john cougar mellencamp or john cougar as is listed here born in south africa moved to the usa in his teens uh or moved to new york city in his teens uh started taking photos of people he met in the street and then he was discovered by a guy we talked about in, in two episodes ago, or a couple multiple episodes. His name was Bob Cato, or Cato. And he actually just happened to see this guy was taking pictures, and, and, and Bob came up to him on the streets like, hey, you know, show me some of your work. So he showed him the work, and that was it. And then he was, um, his very first work, this Norman, Norman guy, the very first picture, or the very first work he did was for the band. Uh, and the iconic stage fright poster that was his very first work it's fucking incredible because you think of the band there's always that one image you think of and that's his um poster uh, 600 credits to his name van morrison zappa johnny cash and everybody's favorite Susie quattro <laughs> Uh, okay, and Robert. Uh, sorry, I'm going to go take a look at my notes again. What's his name? Robert Frank. And there's another guy who I could honestly write pages and pages on these guys and still not do enough justice to what their um, careers look like. Uh, Swiss-born photog and docu-filmmaker. Um, I said there isn't enough time to explain who he is and what he's done. Very influential. Look it up. Filmed the 1972 documentary Rolling Stones, Cocksucker Blues. Uh, has worked with Tom Waits, Jay Giles Band, Philip Glass, Rolling Stones. And apparently this documentary is really interesting, is that the Stones, when they were making it, they just like straight up told the guy, don't fucking put this out there because we'll never be allowed back in America. Because the whole, it was a road, it was a road tour, or a documentary about the road, it was just all about them fucking and doing drugs the whole time. And then he could only, and the, the Stones sued him so bad that the final thing was he could only show it for specific art exhibits and it could only be like three times a year there was a very limited ways he could show this because they were so worried about the damage that you do to, that documentary would have done to them that stage <laughs> so it makes me want to watch that documentary now, now they're a hundred years old and need little blue pills to get it up <laughs> yeah yet. to get it up yeah <laughs> that guy still can't show his movie <laughs> yeah i love to see it. i'm gonna take a look do some searching on the torrents and see if i can find it because uh yeah that would be you know, quite the quite the shit show. Uh, it makes you wonder why they would consider even letting him film. Well, because you know, given... you're you're big the big band, right? You're the big stars. Oh, let's do this documentary about life on the road, and then you watch it, and it's like, oh, we fucking do a lot of drugs. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> There's me with heroin and like three ladies on my face. I don't think I don't think people should see that. <sighs> uh, so, anyways, um. Oh, so what's your so what's your take on the whole thing? Well, I have to say I have never been a huge Rolling Stone fan. Yeah, it's I, I'm with you. It's like uh, one of those ones where you love like the good songs. Yeah, the big like the 
song. Maybe not love, but well, but you like, know what I like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Groove out to, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah, I'm with you. But you would never seek it out on your own. You'd never go listen to the Rolling Stones. No, I think the list. only the only album that I ever owned of the Rolling Stones was Some Girls, and I played the hell out of that. But other than that, it was just probably a phase I was going through. Some, um, yeah. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, there's a few good songs on here, and but it just you know after a while it just gets kind of monotonous because it's Rolling Stones and the other thing they did on this album that um that was really kind of interesting is there's a lot of horns, horns, yeah, saxophones, particularly saxes. We're not a fan of sax on the show, and um, yeah. Yeah, that, that one's a bit of a bummer. I, I don't mind horns so much when they're used appropriately. Yeah, there was there was quite a bit, especially in the first few songs. I felt it was definitely a little more towards the the beginning. But I agree with you overall. You see, people are like, "Oh, this is one of the best Stones albums." Uh, yeah, I think it's kind of over fucking rated to some degree. It's bloated. There is a within all that. If you strip away some of these songs, there is an amazing fucking album in there, but not two albums long. Yeah, there's not, not there's almost 20 ten. songs with only 3 that ended up being hits. And I put fake quotation oh, marks why around hits. hits. Like, easy. Rocks off, rip this joint, tumbling dice, torn and frayed. And what was the other ones you were mentioned? Uh happy and happy. There was one more. And then, like right there, those songs that we Sweet just... Sweet Virginia. Sweet Virginia. So boom, right there. That's most of an album. And that album would be super fucking tight. It, but yeah, there's a lot but of... there's so much. And like, I'm with you. At first, I was like, yeah, shit, I'm enjoying this. But it's kind of going and going. And it's the same kind of basic song. And it's like, oh, I know this song. And then it kind of... Yeah, it's, it's well, just too much. I mean, it's like it became a little bit monotonous just because it's so big. And when I talk about the the uh, the way it was recorded between sixty nine and seventy, yeah. and then some more in seventy one, uh, it's just later. they were recording this stuff for the sake of bits, recording bits it. Pieces, yeah. They had all this music that they wanted to get out there, so they just slapped it onto this. Well, it's not this bad. Like, it's like there's some there's some good stuff. I know people like to talk about it. Oh, the lyrics and it's darker, and that's why people didn't like it at first. Fine, I get it, but it doesn't need to be an hour and ten or an hour seven or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, you just, know, it's just one, like 30, one album, yeah. Yeah, 35, 40, 40 minutes? Yeah. Fucking killer album. Yeah, and then kind of put these other Others, songs like B- on other albums. Yeah, like a B-side <laughs> collection or uh, leftovers or uh, whatever. <laughs> or some stupid compilation. Yeah, yeah, because I will give them credit because when I came into this, I really thought this was going to be a fucking cover album. I well, thought this yeah. was going to be Exile Main Street was going to be like, oh, the Rolling Stones play their favorite blues artist hits or whatever. I didn't realize it was an actual album. They, I think for the most part, they wrote. Now, uh, yes. Yeah. Like I said, Jagger and yeah. uh, Keith Richards. That surprised me. Were the two main songwriters. But the thing, too, is... Um, covers because they misappropriated. You know, I've grown up hearing about Exile on Main Street and how awesome it is and... For me now to finally hear it, it's kind of disappointing. Yeah, and I like think it's we got not more... this big great album like T for the Tillerman. Like yeah. that was a great album. Yeah, well, once again, it goes back to length. I think for this, and that's the only why. Yeah. If it didn't have that length, it would it would have been a great album. Yeah, if they'd have chopped some of this stuff out of here. Yeah, and um, I, I said that's one of my notes was buried in there is one excellent album. Uh, of course, cultural appropriation, too much sax. <laughs> 
Um, I said many great songs to be had, and that's the thing. This is I think I got more out of it the second time through when we're just kind of jumping around to the different songs. And then it's like, oh, shit, okay, this is, a, this is a good song, this is a good song. But when it was all smushed together on the album, it was hard to discern what, you know, what was going on there. So Yeah, and as it turns out, we've, we've started listening to the albums a lot differently now. We, we listen to them on their own as we're milling about. We then, yeah, like you would any other time, yeah. We then listen to them again when we're doing our research. And most of and those are jumping around to like hits and to different songs. And yeah, we stuff, want to yeah. hear parts again. And we also listen to them a third time at some point in there, uh, again, just to try and get a more a better feel. Yeah, and well, and for that and for that reason too, that lyrical content can really just kind of take a back seat because it just is no time. I'm not staring at lyrics while we're no doing any of that. So no. it's it's kind of hard. You're just really listening. I would say really listening to it just two times and then moving on. Um. So, uh, what's the... The wrap-up? The value. Or... Okay, uh, right now Discogs has six for sale from $38.50. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 487 people on the platform have it. 394 people want it. The average rating on Discogs was 4.36 out of 5, with only 25 ratings. A lot oh. of people don't use... We don't use the ratings oh, system. Oh, sometimes when I'm putting them in, sometimes I'll give it a star rating, but sometimes I don't when I know that there's gonna like we're kind of split on it. Yeah. Um, sometimes I do if it's a real piece of shit album or it's a really good album that we both know is gonna be good. At, yeah. Uh, so yeah, considering yes no. how many people are on Discogs, yeah, that, that's a surprising. Uh, Twenty-five ratings is wasn't one low. of the last albums that had a two thousand rating. Yeah, something like some one of those stupid junk albums. Martin. Yeah. Martin albums. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It was Moon Martin. Oh my God. So right now the album uh, in worst condition ten dollars, mid condition thirty seven dollars thirty three cents, and in mint condition seventy dollars and eighty three cents. Wow, that's up there for one of the most most pricey ones too. Holy yeah. shit! And honestly, this is probably closer to the seventy than it is the thirty. Ah, uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah, I think so too. So, your rating. own personal rating. Oh, my rating? Yeah. I'm stuck on this. and I'm stuck because at first I was just going to give this album a three. But when we went back and listened to it, and like some of those, those songs that I mentioned, there's about five, six songs. It's like, oh, you know, it's a little better. I'm stuck between three and a half, four. I'd be probably surprised at that higher rating. Yeah, I am actually. So, which is the end? I'll give it a three, 3.5. It's a tough one, but 3.5. It's just too much bloat. And I give it... 2.5. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. Obviously, I like Rolling Stones more. There's than... a lot of factors that come into that for me. Yeah. A, not really caring about the Rolling Stones. B, all the things that you said about all the bloatware in this in this album. Oh, and, yeah, there's a lot of that. Uh, yeah, I just don't care about it. <laughs> all right, then. Um, Rolling Stones down? Rolling Stones down, yeah, I'll check that one. Okay, now the next one was kind of easy to, or kind of interesting to research. Yeah. Uh, Rod Stewart slash Faces, Live, Coast to Coast, Overture, and Beginners. Um, I had a, you know, as we were listening to it through, through, the, through the first time, I was kind of wondering how this album title came to be and just exactly what was Rod Stewart slash Faces. So here we go. <laughs> Rod Stewart is a British rock singer, songwriter. Uh, Stewart is one of the best-selling music artists of all time, having sold over 120 million records worldwide. He came to prominence in the late 60s and 70s with the Jeff Beck group and then with Faces. 
Okay, The Faces were an English rock band formed in 1969 by members of Small Faces after their lead singer, Stuart Marriott, left to form Humble Pie. Yeah. So very incestuous. God damn, we got to do a seven degrees of separation for some of these bands. Yeah, because it's it's incredible how they you know kind of branch off and boop, become boop, these boop, super boop, groups. Boop. Yeah, and, <laughs> different projects. Uh, the remaining small faces were joined by Ronnie Wood on guitar and Rod Stewart as a lead vocalist. They released four studio albums. Um, a nod is as, just as good There's as a, a wink, wink to a blind horse, which reviewed which we've we reviewed in episode thirty six. Yeah. Uh, Coast to Coast is a live album released in 1974. It went to number 63 on the Billboard 200 and number 3 on the UK album charts. Um, apparently, Stewart's practice at this time was not to give concerts as a solo act, but appear jointly with Faces. Except he called it Rod Stewart Faces. And so just yeah, faces. so he still did put yeah, himself still... out over and above whatever. This album was recorded live at Anaheim Convention Center and the Hollywood Palladium. Hmm. The producer of this album were the Faces. Faces, yeah. And, um, yeah. So the, do you want to talk about this well, yeah, I'll talk information? About, I'll go, oh, yeah, I just want to say, too, uh, to that further, that he says he didn't want to do that. But it was after this, uh, during this tour, they had so much fucking problems that they actually, I guess during the recording of one of these, they actually stopped performances because, you know... There was so much infighting. There's so much infighting, and then somebody would do something wrong, and then they'd just be like, okay, fuck it, we're out of here. Um, and you said it was Ronnie Wood? Yep. That joined them? Yeah, and he ended up getting pissed off and leaving because he's just like, "I'm. why should I play back up to Rod Stewart? You know, I think he's in fucking Rolling Stones. Like, why would you want to do that? <laughs> yeah. And that's what it came down to. It came down to Rod Stewart's ego, uh, which is a real shame. Yeah. Because I fucking love faces. Now, I don't think that this album was very well received. It was not. From my understanding, uh, I'm not it sure was. Why I didn't uh, write some of this down. But... It was a contractual obligation, from my understanding. Yeah. It was finish this up, get out, and they kind of went on their own way after that. Now, when you. Uh, I'll read you the track listing here. Yep. And uh, it's all over now. Cut across Shorty. Too bad, slash, every picture tells a story. Angel, which was written by Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. Stay with me. Uh, side B is I Wish It Would Rain, I'd Rather Go Blind, uh, Borstal Bay, or Bo Borstal Boy yeah. slash Amazing Grace, and the last song is Jealous Guy, which was written by John Lennon. Oh, yeah. So when you look at this, there's no Faces songs on here, really. Three. It's mostly, it's mostly Rod Stewart's solo shit and a couple of covers. Two covers... Uh, I forget how the breakdown but it was the majority of it was Rod Stewart yeah and um, so I can understand why Ronnie Wood would say you know, and not only just that selection of songs if your faces and you Rod Stewart why that fucking choice oh yeah there's so many others oh my god <laughs> so many better songs yeah. than that that they've, they've done um, yeah okay I'll just I'll pop off my stuff real quick well and and these songs I'm sure were just a few out of because it was they were both concerts right yeah they're shows but why would you play better shows or pick better songs from those shows I agree yeah and the recording the sound quality was shit too oh I guess I'll say that when I get to it oops <laughs> <laughs> okay Coast to Coast Live Rod Stewart Faces um I gave it I just shortened the title down yeah Mercury Catalog SRM-1-697 Canada 73 this is an original and got a hole punch a lot of these got hole punches because 
uh, quite often what my dad would do back in the day is no different than what I would do with movies back in my day was go to the bargain bins and hunt around. So that's that's why a lot of these have hole punches because they were all cheap bins and um, that's what you do and then you go occasionally find something great in that cheap bin like we had with that Amandul but same thing. So I always joke with my dad is that he's got a lot of obscure shit that's obscure and shitty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're very, very right. Um, and But sometimes, though, you get obscure shit that's awesome. So, uh, condition, the cover, uh, while I said, while it's not ripped and stained, it is breaking down and flimsy and shitty and old and broken. It's not, like I said, it's not ripped, but it's not a... No, it's but not it a, looks it's, like it's faded, or maybe it's just the color... Glue's broken. It's got a gatefold, too. It's just... The yeah, col- it's the just the color scheme on the front of the album is crap. It's just it's like um, yellow, orange, and green, teal. And a little bit of blue. Yeah, it's a shape. I overall don't mind the animation, or not the animation, the illustration. Yeah, just different colors would have been. Cool. There's no sleeve, so it's just raw dogging it in there. Uh, the vinyl is worn, old, scratched, and dirty. Um, we did listen to the, some of this one though on on the turntable. Yes, until the, the belt until the belt squealed too much. Yeah, uh, the audio was poor. Uh, Give up hits, the ghost. hisses, pops, sound field. Was, yeah, it sounded staticky. Yeah, it was just dirty and old and dead and worn out. Uh, illustration cover: John Craig. Uh, graphics: John Joe and Mari at AGI. And AGI was a yeah thing we talked yeah. we talked about before. Yeah, Photograph- it's probably still around too. H-M. It is. It's more. A lot of these turn into like just giant marketing conglomerates. It's, yeah, it's so gross now. Yeah, uh, photography by Bruce Larson, Charles Gatewood, and Emerson Lowe, which we absolutely had on the show before. And thankfully, there's isn't much information to write down, so that's good. So John John Craig, an American. Oh, he's at JohnCraigPrints.com. Still doing stuff. John, American-born illustrator and designer, uh, has worked in illustration and design for over 40 years. Besides creating the cover for The Smashing Pumpkins, Melancholy, and The Infinite Sadness, which is a fucking great cover. That's like, yeah, one, yeah. like growing up, it's one of my favorites. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is a beautiful cover. Uh, he's uh, worked with other bands like Uriah Heep and Rod, Rod Stewart. Every, uh, every picture tells a story and never a dull moment. Um, like once again, like I said, these guys 40, 50 years, I'm really super just like boiling that down to a couple lines and it doesn't do these guys justice for some of the impact. Uh, AGI graphics design marketing studio, many photogs under this, uh, under this banner. They, as a studio, they have 186 credits on Discogs, Zeppelin, Jackson 5, Foghat, Rush, Bessar Clements, remember old boy and his Billy Jazz. Oh, jeez. He's on, yeah. They got him on lockdown. Uh, Bruce Guy, uh, only two credits to his name. Uh, BTO, uh, Not Fragile, and this album. That's it. That's all I could find for him. That's the cover? Uh, yeah, he did the cover. F- uh, no, he didn't do the cover. He did the inside okay. inside photos yep. and the gatefold. And just want to get this last guy's name. Uh, Charles Gatewood. Okay, so Charles, an American-born photographer, writer, and videographer... Uh, has worked for the New York Times, Rolling Stones, Harper's, Business Week. Uh, struck it big with his 1966 photo of Bob Dylan at a press conference with a cigarette in his mouth. Uh, I'm sure if I showed it to everybody, they would know the photo. Oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure. And he was just there taking photos. He snapped it, and then someone saw it. Oh, it went to, um, not syndication, but like like the Reuters thing. Where it goes yeah, Reuters, where it went out to all the It went out, and then it was just like, that's it. Then he had his career. 
cool. One photo. One thing. Just yeah. one tiny little thing. Uh, he's worked with, and surprisingly, he, there isn't a lot of bands for this guy. He's done mostly other shit. Um, but he's got almost all the Dead Kennedy albums. Plastic Surgery Disasters, Bleed For Me, Give, give Me Convenience or Give Me Death, and The Fugs. I don't know. I've never heard of The Fugs before. So. <laughs> well, some of those album titles are awesome. <laughs> uh, and I, Emerson Lowe. It's been on mentioned before. Um, there's really no write-up. They've done lots of stuff. I didn't bother just because we've talked about them. This is like, I think once an episode we're talking about these guys. And there's nothing to really talk about. Uh, so what's your take on this whole thing? Um, it's disappointing. Yeah. I don't know why yeah. they bothered. Oh my God. Eh, contract. Well, contract. But I'm with you though. Like why turn out, even if it was a contract, why turn out such a shitty, if you're just doing a live compilation, why not select better songs? It seemed like at this point when they put this album out that the, you know, you could, you kind of feel the animosity that they had against each other. Yeah. It was just like. Nobody gave a shit anymore, and it was just like, let's put this thing out, yeah. and let's go on our merry way. Yeah, and a lot of people were really jacked up about it at the time, when they were excited, Faces was coming back, and then they put this out there, and people were like, oh, okay. Yeah. I uh, Yeah, I have a sloppy, mostly Rod Stewart album, uh, only three Faces songs. I said weird song choices. Okay, so, and I had this, because when we were first listening to the Rolling Stones album, and then we had listened to this, I... Uh, at one point while listening to this, I actually thought I I enjoyed <laughs> I enjoyed one or two of the songs more. And I'm like, oh, this is like, I'm fucking really enjoying. But we went back and listened to it. Then it became really apparent that it was fucking trash. Yeah. Um, And that the Rolling Stones album was definitely like superior in every way. But so the year is 1971. You have a choice to go see at a pub, the Rolling Stones or Faces. What are you doing? I would probably go see the faces. I'd see faces in a fucking heartbeat. Oh my god, that would be like one of the greatest things. I don't give a shit if I ever saw the Rolling Stones, but if time travel is invented, I'm going to see faces in a pub because that shit kicks ass, man. When they're on and they're doing their stuff and they're getting all rowdy, I think they have, when they want to, there seems to be a bit more of an edge than the Rolling Stones, which is weird because at least one of the guys, if not two of the guys, was from the Rolling Stones. But just it seemed to me, they seemed to be more kind of shit kicky in a bar kind of a band than a big stadium. You know what I mean? And Rolling Stones seems more like the big stadium with lots of people and easy to dance to music. Um, but yeah, this was disappointing. I'd, I fucking love to see Faces, but ugh, this was terrible. What a terrible way to go out. Yeah. Have we done a Faces album? Yeah, we've done. Um, oh, right. We, I just the said. Wink. Yeah, you just yeah. Said, yeah. And we, we still got another Wink is good as an odd. We got one more in here still, too. Um... Or not as, as good as a wink. Not as good as a wink. Oh. Um, <laughs> wee, wee, wee. Very disappointing on the second listen. So um, what do you got for... Um, I got a 2.5 again out of 5. A, I two, just... a 2. I gave it a 2. I went lower than you on this oh, one. Yeah. yeah, I was so fucking disappointed with this. I love faces. and You're usually more balanced than I am. Yeah, I... Uh... I'm just, nah, didn't like it. <laughs> yeah, 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 see, it's got to be more than just, nah, I don't like it. I wanted to, and then the second time through really just just killed it for me. I just, it was so disappointing. <laughs> like I said, of all the good songs they picked, that's just the, and the covers are shitty too, so. Well, and it's really hard for me because my music tastes have changed so much over the years that, um, yeah, I just have a hard time because there's so many bands that I love today, where back in the day it was just like, 
my I go see these no guys one in, had my alliances I would go see these guys in a pub in a heartbeat be a fucking amazing show um oh wrap up yeah I was gonna say wrap up yeah you're a little uh nine for sale on Discogs from four dollars and ninety six cents three hundred and fifty nine have it twenty four want it huh the rating is 3.52 out of 5 with 21 ratings. Huh. The album in its worst condition, $4.50, uh, $7.70 mid condition, and $12.99 for mint. Whatever. Okay, got anything else to add there? No. Okay, Rod Stewart and Faces, Calamity Down. Calamity. <sighs> okay, album right. number three. Three. Alice Cooper, love it to death. Mm -hmm. Alice Cooper, also known as Vincent Fernier, is an American singer, songwriter, and actor whose career spans over 50 years. He's known as the godfather of shock rock, famous for his stay shows featuring props such as guillotines, electric chairs, fake bloods, reptiles, baby dolls, and dueling swords. <laughs> he draws equally from horror films and vaudeville and garage rock designed to shock people. Mm -hmm. Over the years, he's experimented with several musical styles, including rock, hard rock, heavy metal, new wave, glam metal, and industrial rock. That's why his career has lasted over 50 years. Yeah, he's got a killer fan base, and he kind of shifts around. And he's, and he's, he's got his... He's changed. He's got he his changes niche. with... Uh, he changes, but he stays the same. Stays the same, yeah. 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 Uh, Rolling Stone calls him the most beloved heavy metal entertainer because of his witty and humorous personality offstage. Mm. He's also a film actor, golfing celebrity, restaurateur, and a popular classic rock show called Nights with Alice Cooper. There is an app available, and I went to download it, but the reviews weren't so great, saying that it really has a hard time streaming the content. Oh. But a lot of people also said that it was really good. Mm. It kind of puts me in mind of the one that uh, Tom Petty used to have, Oh, yeah. On the satellite station. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. That we listen to all the time. So I might continue searching that to see, well, okay, see other... to see what it's about. I thought that was kind of interesting. So Love It to Death is his third studio album released in 1971. I can't believe it was just their third. Yep. It was the band's first successful album. Uh, the band was formed in the mid-60s. And they called themselves Alice Cooper in starting in 1968. They became known for this over-the-top theatrical live shows. Mm -hmm. Now, this album had two producers, both Canadians. The first guy, Jack Richardson, um, was a Juno Award nominee. Uh, he was uh, awarded the Canadian Order of Canada. He's best known for his work with the Guess Who from 69 to 75. Mm -hmm. He was a faculty member at Fanshawe College in London, Ontario. Yeah. He also worked with Bob Seger, Kim Mitchell, Max Webster, Poco, and Badfinger. Uh, the other guy is Bob Ezrin, also a Canadian music producer, a keyboardist. He also played five you know, on five of the songs on this album. He's worked with Lou Reed, Kiss, Pink Floyd, Deep Purple, Peter Gabriel, and Fish. He's also a Juno Award winner. And for those of you who don't know what a Juno is, it's a Canadian equivalent of a Grammy. Mm -hmm. The track listing on this... Uh... Oh, this album also uh, was number 35 on the Billboard charts and was certified platinum. 
Uh, the track listing, Caught in a Dream, which charted 94 as a single. I'm 18, which ended up at number 21. Long Way to Go, Black Juju. Side two is Is It My Body, Hallowed Be My Name, Second Coming, Ballad of Dwight Fry, and Sun Arise. Uh, the album runs 36 minutes and 45 seconds. Weird. It's one of the, is that one, there's one song on there that you mentioned that it's not on the, this cover. How, how be thy name? It's not on the, oh, there it is. They have it in a different spot on here. Oh, weird. Yeah, it's after I'm 18. Okay, so I got this track listing off of Discogs, I'm pretty sure. Weird, because I picked that, this is, that. that's the right album. Oh, okay. I mean, that's minor. They're all there. They're just a slightly different order. And that's what we find all the time is that just because you've seen a set list or a, a song list somewhere doesn't mean that's what's going to be on the vinyl. Yeah. <laughs> There's and so many versions. Considering <laughs> that Discogs is all about getting the versions right, it's surprising that the song track listings... As long as people want to input the information. ...are out of sync sometimes. Uh, sometimes, yeah. Definitely. Uh, definitely had to... We've had to deal with that a few times. And I... Um, that's all the songs and stuff. Okay, uh, yeah, Love It to Death, Alice Cooper, Warner Brothers, Catalog, WS1883, Canada 71, and this is an original pressing. This is my mom's album for when she was young. Um, the Condition, Cover, Poor, Worn, Faded, uh, Breaking Down, um, The Corners and the Spine are Smashed, and there's also what we think are old burn marks. I It's either from, let's say, Incense or Hot Knives, either way. <laughs> Either way, the cover on the back of this thing is burned. <laughs> it's trash. <laughs> it's, it's, hey, you know, they, honestly, they're good rolling surfaces too. Um, yeah, sleeve, there's none. Rod Dog in it again. The vinyl is very dirty uh, and worn. There's no big scratches, but man, it is fucking dirty. Like, it, it needs a good hosing down and a nice soapy bath or something. And as for the audio, I don't know because we listened on Spotify. Well, I don't think it was a remaster on Spotify. Um, but it's still on Spotify, so it's it sounded good. I think it sounded fantastic. So cover photo, uh, I'm sure we've talked about it before. It's a guy named Roger Pridgent. Uh and the inside photo is by a guy named Dave Griffith, and the inside photo is cool. That. It's like Cooper, really close up. If it's not a, if it's not an illustration, it's really close up. And then uh, just his eyes and like the, in the paint that he wears, and then inside and he the needs eyes, to trim those eyebrows. Yeah, definitely. And then inside the eyes, there is a picture of the band with like a fisheye lens, so it's it's warped. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah, so cool there. So I will hit this up. Roger, uh, born in Vietnam uh, to French military parents, eventually moved to the U.S. First started out in photography, and then moved to antiques. Actually, as his eyesight failed. Uh, and then he was quite prolific in French antiquities, paintings, shit like that. Uh, apparently one of the biggest dealers in New York. So he couldn't Although... see how old the, the furniture was. <laughs> sure, I guess. I think it's amazing that, you know, you've had this, your eyes stripped away from you like that and still be able to do something that still requires your eyesight. Yeah. Uh, worked with other artists, Nancy Wilson, uh, Alice Cooper, Barbara Streisand. He didn't do a lot in terms of this. He's one of those guys, again, who's like Time Magazine and all these art installations and galleries and, you know, uh, photo essays. And I always feel bad that I'm underselling some of these guys. Oh, and Dave, which is the other guy, uh, only credit is this album. 
there's nothing else on him anywhere. Um, it's weird that we've had two of those on one show. I couldn't imagine just doing work on one album. and So they must have just picked up his photo or he was a friend of theirs or something. It's like, oh, we'll use this photo, we'll get a credit, no problem. And that was the only thing he ever did. And he's probably sell insurance or some shit. Um, notes and stuff. Uh, so what do you think about this one? What's your take on this one? I love this album. Yeah, it's fucking great. It's like one of the best ones. Um, yeah, one of my all-time favorite songs of his is Is It My Body. And I've, like, I've even moved a few songs off this album over into my my personal playlist. Yeah, that's And good. that's The Ballad of Dwight Fry. Yep. And Black Juju. Yep. Um, and a little bit of a funny story about The Ballad of Dwight Fry. Um, the concept behind this song is that he was an inmate of a men's mental institution. And during the stage performance, when he does it on during concerts, Alice Cooper is dragged off the stage during the song and comes back wearing a straight jacket, only in the end to be put to uh, mock executed in an electric chair while the song Black Juju plays. Um, I saw him during the Welcome to My Nightmare tour. Okay, so what? I saw him live in Detroit. Yeah, which tour was that? Uh... The do, you one that you, do you remember the year? Like, I'm trying to think about what year. Between 75 and 79. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mostly, probably 76. Probably like, yeah, right in the middle of that, yeah. Is when I saw him. And the concert was crazy was awesome, and yeah, dead babies and, yeah. you know, like oh, every, yeah, he everything that it says. Billion Dollar Babies would have been out at that point. I think yeah. it was an album after this? Uh, no, oh. I don't think it was. Oh, okay. I think it was. Oh, uh, I think you're right. I think there was another one in there. Because I thought that it was the Million Dollar Baby Tour that I saw until I saw, I think it was 71 to 73 okay. or something like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. It's a fucking, for me, is this a classic album? To me, this is everything I love about Alice Cooper. Uh, so many hits on here. The whole album is really good. It was Usually there's often there's an, uh, an album that we like, and there's still kind of some throwaway songs, but start to finish. Yeah. Love this one. Yeah. yeah. You said It's My Body, I'm 18, Black Juju, the ballad. Like, it's all, Black Juju is a fucking great, <laughs> it's a great song. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. He apparently got sued for copyright infringement on that one. Yeah, and uh, you know, details ended up winning because I love it too. It's like a nine minute song, it's all huge yeah. compared to the other ones. And what yeah, I, love... I just can you imagine that you know, seeing him being put to death, mock death in this electric chair in a straight jacket, yeah, with black juju playing in the background? Like, just oh, <laughs> I know that's why I love the kind of theatrical metal. And it's, I will say to some degree, it's why, um, back in, back in the day, I'm white zombie, rob zombie, there was kind of that yeah. element. Yeah. I, I remember. Uh, one of the oh, first Rob, first Rob Zombie concert I went to just after they had kind of gone their separate ways and it was still pretty much White Zombie the big stage you know the rope do the band, dancing robots all the it was like that a lot and I, I enjoyed that shit um, yeah so, something a little different than kind, three, kind three like guys the, standing on a stage kind of like the Flaming Lips too yeah yeah I think these guys probably do more stage than the Flaming Lips oh yeah definitely yeah, but, yeah. Uh, um, so for a rating, oh, so say actually the one thing that I loved about the album that I think really completes it is because you come off a ballad of Dwight Fry and you said it's all about, you know, him getting cooked in a mental institution or whatever, but said this, the album ends on sun, sunrise, which is like this kind of poppy fifties. And it's a great, I fucking loved it because it's dark. 
then the album is so dark and black juju and all this shit and then it ends in this poppy happy like beach boys song almost <laughs> it's perfect way to end it it really is it's smart. yeah he, he was he's brilliant and he's still making albums today like he just oh, yeah, they are, he yeah. just released an album in 2019 i like to go to his restaurant and the one thing that kind of puzzles me though about him is that they call the band alice cooper he came that person he became that persona the front, yeah um, so he and this the band that he started out with as Alice Cooper recorded seven albums together. And then he went solo. Uh, Alice Cooper went solo in 75. Which to me is just like kind of. You were kind of solo anyways. Yeah. So he's done 22 albums since then. Yeah, and it's amazing. Like I said, released one in 2019. And he's been relevant here and there, and you still see him out and about on talk shows yeah. and um, on concert in concert and stuff like that. So what'd you give it? I gave it four to five. Yeah, that's what I gave it to. I don't, and I almost thinking about it. it's not not quite high enough, but four to five for now is fine. Yeah, and I kind of I kind of thought four to five too, but I went with four. Um, to wrap up, mm -hmm. uh, Discogs has eight of these for sale at ten dollars. 493 people on the platform have the album, 116 wanted. The rating was 4.26 out of 5, uh, 47 ratings, which is higher than a lot of the others we've done lately. Yep. Uh, in its worst condition, $11.95, mint condition, $17.35, and in mint condition, $28.06. I'm surprised those numbers are so high considering that everybody's probably had a copy of this fucking album. I don't know. Yeah. You know, it just, it makes you wonder, you know, people just have different tastes and things and. Oh, we know that. And usually you know, they're terrible. It's, <laughs> it's probably got to do with the amount of, uh, amount of copies that are out there. Oh yeah. No question. That's what I mean. That's literally what I just said was considering that everybody had a copy of this. I wonder why it's so expensive, but, uh, anything else you'd like to add? Because that is Alice Cooper down. Nope. That's it for me yeah me too and um yeah these I, I i like these shows a bit better um when you kind of have expectations that are dashed one way or another or and you end and on a particularly strong album is always a great way to wrap it up instead of just like holy shit this album sucks let's get over get over and done with so yeah especially those ones where you where we roll our eyes when we pull it out of the oh uh, yeah you're like, like oh, oh. God, listen to that and then we end up really liking it like yeah Zool was yeah, yeah. Zool too Anyways, was one yeah. of those. That's definitely one of those. And this Alice Cooper album, like I've always been a fan, but I don't recall ever listening to this album. I, I used to drop a needle on this all the time. Start to finish. It, excuse me. It turns out that I really love it. Yep. Okay. Cool. Um, like, subscribe, follow us in those places we talked about at the beginning, and what? Drop us a voicemail. Let us know what you think. Yeah, this voice How, messaging. Can we yeah. improve it? Is there something else you'd like to? Know about the albums that we're doing. Hey, just let us know if we're doing a good job or we're worse than Hitler. <laughs> Anyways, stay safe out there. Uh, protect yourself. And I think... I think this is going to be the longest of the podcasts that we've done. Yeah, we'll see. Anyways, see you later. Bye.